forever. Dog. I used to think that this was my town. What a stupid thing to think. I hear you biting off a brain now. I myself am on the brain. I used to want to be a real man. Hello, Three Swings listeners. My three Bs. I think that's what I'm going with. I feel like I say that every episode. Sorry, I repeat myself. I'm Rhea Butcher. I'm the host of Three Swings. Thank you for listening, number one. Thank you for being a fan. Thank you for being a friend. You brought a gift to my party and... The note it said was for me. I can't, the lyrics are escaping me as I'm trying to make the joke. Um, this episode is great. Once again, we have a tremendous guest. I'm super excited that they had time to take out of uh, their life. Is that how you say that? <laughs> I'm glad that they were able to make time in their life to be on my little podcast. Um, our guest today on Three Swings is Stacey Mae Fowles, which I'm really excited about because I've recommended her book many 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 times and i'm really enjoying reading it i did spill water on it like i do every time i leave a book on my nightstand and i've got to stop doing that but i'm really enjoying reading the book which is now slightly bigger because it had water spilled on it um read that book if you haven't already it's not going to spoil the interview whatsoever it's just going to make your life better um but later on in the episode we're going to have a wonderful chat with her about baseball you guessed it because this is a baseball podcast um just wanted to say thanks for listening and so many people a couple people tweeted out photos of going and getting baseball gloves and playing catch and people who are catching up with baseball or just getting into it and listening to it on the radio and stuff i'm just really happy about it i hope everyone's enjoying it um and that's just wonderful that's my little gift to the world is getting people playing catch it's a lot of fun uh, Cameron and I still do it when we're on tour and just in our backyard, which is very tiny and we have to throw it diagonally over a concrete pad, whatever. It's still fun. Um, so I recommend that if you haven't listened to that episode, I just basically recommend playing catch, which is what I'm doing again. So give that a shot. It definitely helps in relationships. So because we have such a wonderful interview, I'm just going to do like a little roundup of everything that's going on. And I just got a breaking news on my Bleacher report that Matt Harvey has been traded to the Reds. The Reds continuing to make big changes this season. Let's see if Matt Harvey will turn around their season. He won't. What a sad, it's just been like a, I have to say that after, once I started doing this podcast, I started looking at the way like baseball media operates in a, in a different way because I was, I, I was always paying attention to it, but now I pay attention to it in a way where it's like, do I need to talk about this or do I not need to talk about this? And all the conversation around Matt Harvey, to be totally honest, has made me not want to watch baseball news. I, I would just like put it on in the background while I was, you know, folding laundry or doing whatever, or to get a couple notes here and there from games that I missed or stories that I've missed. But like the whole like and New York posting of Matt Harvey is just like, why is this happening? I, it's not one of my favorite parts of the game and probably like I said a little bit why I'm resistant to the like news part of it all and been more interested in talking to people who just like baseball but um yeah I'm just unsure I'm unsure of what Matt Harvey's gonna do um especially for the Reds not totally sure I mean Joey Votto's finally hitting again which I guess is a good thing that I didn't trade him in my fantasy baseball, even though he is still not really hitting that much. He had one good week and he was on my bench. So 
great. Great. Thanks, bro. I appreciate it. Um, I'm real confused about how I'm going to make it through this season in my fantasy baseball. I feel as though I set myself up to fail because I have a podcast. Does that make sense? Um, I'm sure some people can relate to that. I don't know. I picked up many pitchers that I probably should have held on to, and I did not. And now there's nobody. <laughs> so that's kind of where I'm at in that league. And then I did a little bit better in my sort of, uh, you know, rotisserie league. And then I got lazy and I didn't pick up uh, Torres, the Yankees shortstop that's playing second base and who hit a, a three run walk off homer on Sunday. I did not pick him up that Sunday morning and I should have. And now everybody's gone. Um, and I keep holding on to Chris Taylor and I should not. I definitely don't need to hold on to that guy. He strikes out a lot. Anyway, so Matt Harvey to the Reds. Uh, then also, we already talked a little bit about Corey Seager. And so Manny Machado is back on the sort of trade conversation. The last team that I saw him potentially going to is the Chicago Cubs, which I wonder what Addison Russell thinks about that. <laughs> um, interesting. Interesting. If... Manny Machado goes to the Chicago Cubs. That will make this season a lot different. Um, I think it would be, if I had to make a, a a decision, it would be Cubs versus the Braves. <laughs> Cubs versus Atlanta. Um, but that's just based in what is what month is it? May? I don't even know. Um, so I mean, what? But I just don't understand what the Orioles could really get from Manny Machado. Also, the Dodgers are definitely not going to go for that. I'm unsure where this guy's going to go. There's also, I wonder about the aspects of collusion between the teams and ownership. Because, hey, allow me to put on a tinfoil hat a little bit. But, like, how do we not know that they're pulling a ton of strings all the time? We don't. We absolutely don't. So, I'm unsure. If Manny Machado moves this season, that will be very interesting for the postseason. Um... So, on the eve of the Yankees-Red Sox, by the way, shout out to my bench coach, Brett, for writing all these notes for me. I really appreciate it. I couldn't get it together. Whatever. Um, on the eve of Yankees-Red Sox eve, it's repetitive, but you like it, is this year's AL race shaping up to be one of the best division races ever? I would say yes. I think that the NL East is also very interesting and a lot of fun to watch. The West, not so much. It's mostly just Houston and uh, the Angels. But, the, I mean, I think the Athletics are very fun to watch, although they're a little bit in a dip at the moment. Um, and then the NL West is mostly just the Diamondbacks. Now, no shade to Colorado. Also, no shade to San Francisco. Los Angeles, what are you doing? I'm unsure. This will be a weird season to get through. I, Oral Hershiser keeps saying they're so close. No, they're not. <laughs> they're They're just not. I think we need to... Be happy that they threw a combined no-hitter in Mexico because, hey, that was really exciting. I don't know that it means they're about to break out. Um, the pieces are not even really there. No shade to the players on the team, but it's... I really feel like they're held together with tape at this point because I've watched a couple of the games and they do not seem confident. So that's my biggest concern there. I did, however, get a chance to watch the Red Sox-Rangers game on Saturday... And I will say that Boston is playing with the excitement that the Dodgers had last year. So you got to go where it's exciting. I do think that uh, the Yankees-Red Sox rivalry is going to be a lot of fun this year. I am going to be annoyed by it no matter how much what they say about it. Because uh, 
these like baseball networks and baseball whatever franchises or commentary things are, are making such a thing out of it that I prefer to just watch the game happen as opposed to like buy the t-shirt. You know what I mean? You understand what I'm saying? But Mookie Betts is probably one of the most exciting people to watch in baseball right now. And also uh, Joe Kelly... That's his name, right? Yes, Joe Kelly coming in in relief. That was a performance on Saturday, and I I knew he was up there, but that was some good pitching. Some good, good pitching. Um, also, shout out to Mookie Betts, uh, f- like just perfectly reading on the base paths um, uh, Profar's mistake in the outfield. Number one, the shortstop does not need to be in left field. That You don't need to do that. Uh, second of all, they dubbed it a Lottie da play, which is Profar got the ball, didn't run it in or throw it into any sort of cutoff. Mookie Betts read that the ball was still in the outfield and ran home and safely scored. I watched him do that, and then the next day in my very own baseball game, I did the exact same thing <laughs> and scored. Um, and so thanks, Mookie, for teaching me that little lesson. Um, hey, you too can play baseball like a major league baseball player. Um I'm I'm interested because I, I it, this rivalry it'll be fascinating to see how it turns out because the Yankees are building a rotation that I think is beginning to catch up if not overtake the Red Sox rotation. They they're starting to have less holes. Sonny Gray is pitching a little bit better. I picked him up. Let's see. Is he going to prove me wrong? Probably. My reading on pitching has been accurate but second guessy, which is always my problem. I pick people up, they have one bad performance, I drop them immediately, somebody else picks them up, they score 35 points. This is how it works, just over and over and over again. So, we'll see. For this season, I think it's a lot of fun to watch. Um, Definitely, you know, the NL East and the AL East, I think, are the most competitive divisions in baseball. I mean, maybe the close third would be the NL Central, right? That seems right to me. The AL Central is probably the least competitive. Um, But Cleveland will give it a run for its money and see how far it can push losing (laughs) to make it competitive again. Like, who could lose? Um, Let's see. So, yes, I mentioned the Walker Bueller Dodgers combined no-hitter. That was the 12th combined no-hitter in MLB history. And if if you don't know what that is, I'll explain it. Um, First of all, a no-hitter is when a pitcher does not record any hits. So the, the opposing team does not get a hit. A no-hitter can include errors and walks. If you throw a no-hitter that doesn't have any errors or walks in it, then you have thrown a perfect game. That is the difference between the two. Now, a combined no-hitter means that multiple pitchers participated in the no-hitter, which means one one pitcher started the game and did not uh, throw any hits, and then additional pitchers come in and they also do not record any hits. So it's it's not the um I, I don't want it's not the like prettiest thing and it's not like ugh, I hate when people say this but it's not the sexiest thing <laughs> because one pitcher coming in throwing a complete game and not getting any hits is like that just seems like unfathomable right but for some reason it seems like almost easier that three different people would come in and do it but realistically speaking it's actually more difficult I think for three different people to come in or four uh and throw a no-hitter collectively. I mean, that's bonkers. To When you stop and think about um, somebody new coming in 
and trying to find their rhythm while also trying to keep a no-hitter in place, that's bonkers. I mean, the thing is, they shouldn't be in competition with each other, and we should just see the fact that like a no-hitter is a no-hitter, and they're both bonkers. Um, and that's the first time the Dodgers have ever done it in franchise history. And they also did it in Mexico. They played in Monterey. Um, they were playing the Padres for the Mexico series this year, um, which leads to the question, when will Mexico get an NLB expansion team? Um, because the Dodgers-Padres series sold out in just a few hours, and baseball is huge in Mexico. And that's why the Dodgers are huge in Mexico, because baseball's huge in Mexico, and the Dodgers had a huge star in Fernando Valenzuela who threw out the first pitch of the combined no-hitter. There is a whole complicated history with the Los Angeles Dodgers and the Mexican slash Mexican-American population in Los Angeles. I will go into it in more detail in another episode when I have prepared an actual thing for that. But if, in the meantime, you you yourself want to know more about this history, this very, uh, like, complicated uh, and, and I think very interesting history, tune in to the ESPN 30 for 30 Fernando Mania uh, and watch that documentary and you'll get all the info um, about the whole history of the whole thing. I also think... Mexico should get a baseball team. This is something I literally didn't think about until I read these notes. And then I was like, yes, that sounds great. Uh, Rob Manfred acknowledged the league is looking to expand, telling Fox Sports San Diego he would like to get to 32 teams from the existing 30. When asked specifically, Manfred accepted Monterey, Mexico, and Montreal as international options. Um, I would love to see Montreal get their team back. I feel like... That city, there's still so much. I've been to Montreal, interestingly, I think three times now, and they still love the Expos there, and that team isn't even there anymore. But I grew up with the Expos, and that being a team that the team I was growing up watching Atlanta um, playing, and I just miss that team and the whole thing. Um, I think it would be fun. I think it would make the phrase World Series even slightly more accurate. Uh, to have a team in Mexico and a team in Canada. So just do it. Just do it. I think that's a that's a good catchphrase. Maybe I should adopt that for something. Anyway, um, moving on. Is Mookie Betts your early season MVP? Does he have an argument for best player in the league right now? He is neck and neck with Trout for the lead in war. For me, yes. Many people are very angry about this, <laughs> I'm sure. But I think you have to... Mike Trout is one of the best players in baseball. Sure, yes. He's also already won the MVP before. I think also you have to look at... If I was picking today, I would pick Mookie Betts. Look at Boston versus the Angels. Look at the performance. The most valuable player, the definition of the most valuable player is how much value does that person bring to the team? And to me, it is Mookie Betts because it's not just what he's doing, it's what people are doing around him when he's doing great things. And that is what an MVP is to me. Like, how does, if a pitcher is going to be an MVP, how have they affected the rotation behind them? If it's going to be a, uh, an outfielder, what, how, how is their defense picking up where they're missing spots? How are they hitting in the rotation that is then electrifying the spots around them? And I think the answer to that question for me is Mookie Betts. Is Mike Trout right after that? Absolutely. Um and it's not so much like, oh, Mike Trout doesn't, you know, they don't get to the playoff. It's not that. It's just, I think Mookie Betts is having a better season. He did get injured the other day, 
Bench coach Brett, do you know how he's doing? He's looking it up. Um, and the injury to me was like very scary that he get, he was running to second base and Joey Gallo threw to sec- from first base to second base, hit him in the shoulder from behind, and then he was like, you know, surprised by that and that sort of pushed him into the ground and then he came back up with a very swollen hand which was very scary looking um to me um but i haven't heard any updates about how he's doing oh he's day to day with a shoulder contusion yikes um so for me right now if you had to pick mookie bets or if you had to pick the mvp it would be mookie bets uh feel free to tweet at me about how wrong i am (laughs) i will mute your tweets Um, So there's a a cool footnote to the Jenny Kavnar story, which if you aren't aware of her story, she was the first woman in 25 years to call, do play-by-play for a Major League Baseball team. So the reason this does not include Jessica Mendoza is Jessica Mendoza does color commentary for ESPN. So there are two differences there. One is color commentary is or she, she's an analyst, I apologize. So she talks about, like, technical aspects of the game. She also, you know, says funny things. Um, but she talks about, like, launch angle and, uh, you know, uppercut swings versus directly through the zone. She also talks about, you know, fielding positions. She talks about those kinds of things on air for ESPN. So she's working for a network that isn't attached to any particular team. And Jenny Kavnar is doing play-by-play for the Colorado Rockies, which means... She's working for the Colorado Rockies and she is in their booth and calling play-by-play is literally saying what's actually happening on the field. So she is the first woman to have done that in 25 25 years. Um, And I also like to always attach that to the fact that A League of Their Own, the the movie, came out 26 years ago. Just to put that nice little context of how long exactly 25 years is. So she called play-by-play for the Colorado Rockies, got to call a home run, by Nolan Arenado. Um, So just a fun footnote to that story is that she used MLB The Show for broadcasting practice. After I found out Sunday I was doing the game, that night I went home and my husband's like, how about I play MLB The Show and I'll play the Padres versus the Rockies and you can call the video game. That is a tremendous idea! Everyone should do that. How much fun is that? I think it's pretty great. So, to wrap up the news, um, two... Two little things that I wanted to mention. I, it would uh, be silly of me to not mention the fact that um, Trevor Bauer started. I, I don't look. <laughs> I I I drafted him because I thought he was going to have a great season. He's also going to have a great season. I traded him because I do. I make mistakes on purpose. I also can't stand what he's doing, but. I just don't understand this personality. And every time I turn on a game that he is pitching in, I come back to to an announcer, usually Rick Manning, defending Trevor Bauer. Now, if you every time someone is on the mound, you have to defend them and you'd have to defend the way they carry themselves and their attitude, something you have to stop yourself for a second and pull back and be like, you know what? I see your point. Every time this guy's on the mound, I got to defend the way he operates. Something is up. If you are that, if some somebody has to defend your behavior all the time, like maybe you need to chill out a little bit. You know what I mean? I'm not saying like he needs to be a different person. I mean, I'm also saying that, but my point isn't that. My point is chill out, play the game. It's weird to me that nobody says, oh, 
that guy doesn't play the game the right way. He needs to respect the game. Like, to me, that, that guy does. Like, just straight up. I don't care. I will watch Puig lick a baseball bat for three hours. That is so different to me than being, like, just disruptive and being a troll and, like, whatever, man. Like, that's just weird. I also don't think he's totally wrong about this thing he brought up on Twitter, but I just think there's, like, better ways of doing it. I don't know. He decided to incite a sort of Twitter war with the Astros um, and the best rotation in baseball, saying that they, because their spin rate, like each pitcher that they've picked up and brought in, their spin rate has gone through the roof once they um, are acquired by the Houston Astros. Now, the Houston Astros have a reputation in baseball of being one of the most data-driven teams in the major leagues and specifically in their pitching that like, they just have reams of data on all uh, on spin rate, like release points, like all this stuff. Some, some of the stuff I find really interesting, but I also am not going to get like bogged down with it because I need space in my brain for other things. Um, But his point is a little bit that he's kind of looking for retribution for the fact that the major league baseball would not let him put, uh, this sort of like hospital grade glue over his stitches so that he could pitch in the National League or the American League Championship Series in 2016. He neglects to mention the fact that the wound was self inflicted because he decided in between outings in the American League Championship Series that he would fix a freaking drone. So, like, maybe you have to own up to the issue that you got yourself in this problem to begin with. And Major League Baseball was following the rules. But his whole point is that it feels like there are rules for some and not for everybody. And that everybody knows that people are using pine tar, which is, to explain a little further, um, you would put a sort of sticky substance or something like that on a baseball to affect the spin rate. Because you could then, you know, sort of jack up the spin rate and change the pitches that you're throwing. This is why... People like Gaylord Perry threw spitballs and like everybody's just known that they've hidden like razor blades in their hats and stuff. It's just sort of this like thing that everybody looks away from. But I don't know. It's just never I don't think it's a good look. And if I was his teammate, I would be upset to sort of like pick on the World Series champs in that way and bring that much attention to yourself because then his very next outing did not go that great. So then you're just like putting a target on your back. He also got very mad at Francisco Lindor for making two errors. He, like, threw his glove, and I still can't find a video of it. So if anybody has a video of it, please send it to me because I want to see his temper tantrum. Um, And I can see sort of both sides of the equation. I mean, he walked him full. Francisco Lindor is a gold glove, so I'm not sure what those mistakes, where that was coming from. But shit, man, that happens. But And you got to take a little responsibility for walking the bases loaded. So I don't really have a, a necessarily, like, a stance... But I just think that starting Twitter wars just doesn't really... Ugh. I don't think it's a good look. I just don't think it's a good look. I try not to start Twitter wars with anybody specifically. And I try to honestly have conversations with people if I have to. I think about it and I think, is this valuable? Does this conversation need to be had publicly? And then sometimes I think, yes, it should. I also try to think, has this person been asked this question or told this thing a thousand times already? Do I need to add my voice to the ring? Probably not. Okay. I'm not going to do it, but that is what makes me and Trevor Bauer two completely different people. Um, So the last little bit of news before we get to our lovely interview is the fact that uh, Ichiro uh, 
won't play again in the 2018 season and will finish out the season as a special as a special assistant to the chairman um, in Seattle in a sort of limbo between being player and coach. It's an, it's an arrangement where everyone can win. The club keeps Ichiro around and his teammates can pick his brain and benefit from his vast knowledge. Meanwhile, Ichiro will continue practicing and working toward trying to squeeze one more opening day out of his career. Um, and bench coach Brett adds his thought. I remember Atlanta sort of doing this with Chipper Jones in his final year. Um, I mean, I think the more Ichiro we get in our lives and the more he gets to be in baseball, it's for the better. Um, obviously if he, if this is what he's into doing, then I'm super excited about it. If he's being sort of ushered into this, not as stoked about it, but, um, honestly, any way that he can find some peace, I'm happy for him. That seems like that's what he's trying to find. Um, there was a wonderful piece, I believe on ESPN at the beginning of the season when his, uh, MLB career was, no one knew he was going to Seattle yet. There's a great wonderful tremendous piece of writing about Ichiro and how he essentially lives his life um and I I highly recommend reading it um and so I think he's just one of those players that baseball fans know who he is maybe not everybody knows who he is but I hope to one day see a movie about him because I think he's one of those figures where he's somewhat misunderstood but fully knows who he is and is trying to find out more. Does that make sense? I'm getting very zen right now. Um, anyway, so those are, that's the roundup. Um, bench coach Brett and I are playing each other. Is this the second time that we've played? Yeah, because we're in the same division. Um, I'm curious to see how this goes. <laughs> did I win the first one or did you win? The, no, I won the first one. Um, I, I was on a three-game winning streak and then I just lost to the only guy who hadn't won yet. So And now he's like on a roll. He already has 75 points and it's Tuesday. Um, but I did pick up Matt Adams and he hit two home runs last night. So we'll see. I'm going to have to do it with offense, which is never fun. You got to have pitching, but I don't. So we'll see. Um, anyway, right after this, we will be back with a lovely interview with a wonderful person, Stacey May Fowles, right after this. <laughs> I love my Tomboy X underwear. You know that about me, Rhea Butcher, host of this podcast, Three Swings. I love that Tomboy X makes kick-ass gender-neutral underwear for all people and all bodies, all sizes, and all skin tones, right? Tomboy X makes neutral underwear for people whose opinions are anything but. Put on a first layer that supports who you are so you can take on the world. They did it again. They just released Tomboy X Neutral's, quote, nude underwear done the Tomboy X way. And if you're not wearing them, you're missing out. Tomboy X neutrals are nude shades, that's right, plural, that won't show through clothes. They come in a diverse spectrum of shades and cuts, including bralettes, bikinis, boy shorts, and boxer briefs. And, of course, they come in all sizes, extra small through 4X. Tomboy neutrals are made of luxurious micro-modal fabric that's eco-friendly and light as air. It is also my favorite underwear fabric of all time. Silky soft waistbands won't dig in, and body-hugging fits won't write up. A great combination. When you buy Tomboy X Neutrals, you're aligned with a brand that shares your values and gets products that fit your identity. Discover your inner tomboy at tomboyx at tomboyx.com slash baseball neutral. And when you order your neutrals, enter baseball neutral to get an extra 15% off. Again, get an extra 15% off when you enter baseball neutral at tomboyx.com slash baseball neutral. 
Hello, Three Swings listeners, my three Bs. Yet another interview that I am super excited about. This person, like immediately when I said I was doing this podcast, I got, I don't know, 3,000 tweets that this is a person I had to have on my podcast. And I was already aware because I've already been reading their uh, tremendous book, which I have recommended to you many, many times and will continue to. Um, Baseball Life Advice, Loving the Game That Saved Me by my guest, Stacey May Fowles. Welcome to the show, Stacey. How are you? Thank you so much for having me and and for sort of pulling me out of my postpartum hole. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> I've been living in. Happy um, to it, deliver so, you from that hole. Oh. <laughs> oh, very nice. Um, no, but it's it's I've I've felt a little bit, and I've actually written about this. How I felt a little bit out of the loop. Sure. Um, you know, I'm still I'm still enjoying baseball. I'm just enjoying it at odd times now, and and sort of while doing feedings. So to have sort of like a real adult conversation with a person about baseball is a really nice thing. So That's I'm very grateful <laughs> to be here. I'm, I'm glad to switch up your routine. Um, and you, when you say you, you're watching it at odd hours, are you catching like rebroadcasts? Are you catching like West coast feed games? Like what's the situation for those, those odd times? Well, it, it's funny because I, I've noticed that my relationship with the game has, has sort of really shifted and I'm still getting sort of a handle on it. Um, it's, it is sort of the one, like the the Jays broadcast time is the sort of one beacon in my chaotic, like I have a two and a half month old now. So it's, and she was born during uh, pitchers and catchers reported the week. She was of born. course she was. So, so it's like that 7 p.m. start time is like the only thing that's ever fixed in my life. Right. So it's, it's the thing that it's the glue that holds everything together. Um, but the other thing is that um, I, especially early on when, you know, there was no sleep schedule at all, um, I was watching so much West Coast baseball. Um, and when a West Coast game went into extra innings, that was the greatest thing. <laughs> and I, I, have, I have these memories of like waking up at like three in the morning and there's like an A's game on the television in the bedroom. You know? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Um, so yeah, no, it's, it's completely changed. And, and especially in those early weeks, I couldn't really follow the game. Um, and it, and it really sort of drove home how you don't really need to. <laughs> <laughs> sure. It's, it's, um, like I'm very obsessive about baseball, but I find now it's like, you can really dip in and out of it in oh, a, yeah. in a, when you need to. You so, can walk yeah, completely the- out of the room and still be paying full attention. It's amazing. It's amazing. All those rumors are true. It is, it is both like, it's deliciously boring. Absolutely. Perfect. It's the most like entertaining, boring thing on the planet. I think it's yeah, it's, and it's perfect. And I've actually heard this from a lot of people who, um, you know, have very, very young children and they're, they just, how forgiving it is to their complete distraction is it's a gift. So Oh, baseball is such a gift <laughs> to everyone, yep. to humankind. Um, it's also interesting. Well, in, in oh, every, go ahead. In every phase of your life, right? So, oh, yeah. You know, when, yeah, it's perfect. Yeah. I mean, and that's kind of what I was going to say, too, is it's interesting that the start time is now this beacon for you because I think, you know, when I'm, when I was, I think about when I was younger and like the season is a beacon, you know, because like the season lines up with, okay, school's over summertime is here. Now my favorite thing is happening. You know, like it just has this 
it, it just evokes time for me always because it has no clock and because it runs on its own thing and it's so long and it takes up all this time. And, oh, and then you get older and you're like the start time. That's what that's when I, I get my me time at this time. You know, like I love that the yeah. game evolves and grows with you as a person. Totally. And, and this idea, too, that for those who work in baseball in any capacity, um, their new year is sort of, uh, you know, pitchers and catchers is the new year. Um, so, you know, January and sort of till the middle of February is just meaningless time. Right, of course. <laughs> like, those aren't real months. Yeah, those, um, that's but, yeah, just you know, nothing. Everything starts then. Exactly. Yeah. And so you were a tor- Toronto Blue Jays fan. Long time. I am, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's this is also what I love about baseball is because I feel like no matter who you are a fan of, that is the tone with which you respond. Yes, I'm a fan of it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> except for maybe if you're a Yankees fan, I feel like that's maybe the only team that doesn't respond that way. <laughs> Perhaps. Well, and my my thing about being a Jays fan. So I started being a baseball fan when I was in my early teens, mm-hmm. like I, w- I went when I was a kid, but when you go, when you're a kid, you're, you're just kind of amazed by the spectacle or the food or, you know, but when you start to understand who the players are, it's sort of like, you know, when you're around, you know, like in that sort of area between like say seven and 12 is sort of when you're like, I'm a fan. Mm-hmm. And that was when the Jays won the world series. I know. I <laughs> so, think so. I was, I was kind of like, oh, so this is what happens. <laughs> right. You like a team, and it, your team wins the World Series two years in a row. Right. Um, and then, so for the next, you know, couple of decades, <laughs> sure. I was like, wait, it's not this. That's not how this it is. This isn't what so I signed up for. I Don't you guys remember early. back then? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I was spoiled early and then punished for a really long time. Is pretty much what happened to me. Yeah. No, I can. I can very much relate to that. And I remember reading that passage in your book. Now, I forget which specific, like, home run or, like, the home run grab or whatever in the outfield. That, that, oh, that Devon you, White, yeah. Yes, that you define that the as, catch. like, yeah, the catch. That was, like, the moment that brought you in. And um, you talking about that time period in your life of being spoiled and you didn't realize it. I can completely relate to that because I, I had, like, the opposite experience of just, like, pure loss being spoiled by loss almost where like <laughs> I got pulled into this thing and then was like, wait a minute, what? I didn't think it was going to be like this <laughs> and just like loss after loss after loss. Um, but yeah, that's baseball for you for sure. Um, it's funny. I, you've now reminded me of a Devon white story that I have. That's very brief. And mm. I'll share with you. So Please. The, the very first time I ever sort of covered the team um, inside the clubhouse, um, it was a couple of years ago and I, um, a couple of spring trainings ago and I, you know, had media access and that was, you know, my first, um, spring training with full media access and, you know, it was an incredible experience and, you know, I was meeting all the players and, and, you know, mostly just really impressed by how huge they are. <laughs> sure. really, like they're very large. It's hard to and, tell uh, how big they actually are until you're very close to them. And they're huge. Yeah, I had very good seats. I was gifted very good seats to a Dodger game last year, and I already knew that Puig was a large man. But standing that close to him, I was like, I cannot believe the size of this human being. (laughs) No, it's like when I saw like Judge up close for the first time, I I was like, you just—it's—you're the Hulk. You're the incredible Hulk. Just gigantic. Who you are? Yeah. Um, But you know, and that experience is like 
no matter how professional you are and how experienced you are, like that first experience is, you know, you're trying to keep it together, right? You're like, I'm in the locker room. I'm, you know, this is a totally new thing. You're green. And I, you know, I did well, you know, I, mm-hmm. I had somebody lovely mentoring me and I, I learned a great deal. And then I was sort of like outside, um, just leaning against the fence and, and looking on the field and like take some notes or on my phone or something. And then Devon White like came up beside me <laughs> and I, and I was 13 years old. Oh yeah. Immediately. Like I just, and I literally ran away. <laughs> Because I was so, like just so struck by like my childhood hero is just there, you know, right. like leaning against a fence, talking to somebody. And I just, that was, he was the player that I just could not handle. What, there was no ounce of professionalism. I <laughs> like, I was so shocked by his presence. I had to run away. Wow. <laughs> yeah. I um, love it. But yeah. So. That, his catch was sort of my intro to why baseball was so special. Yeah. Um, I, I loved it from when I was, you know, my dad took me to games when I was a kid, but um, that was sort of my realization of this, this game is magic, mm-hmm. you know? So, yeah. And I've never spoken to him. <laughs> <laughs> well, guess what, Stacy? I've got Devin White right here. Devon White, get on I the mean, phone. Yeah, no. <laughs> And I hang up the phone. phone He knocks on the door of your house and I'm just listening on my phone. Yeah, no. What if I had that kind of pull? That would be amazing. Um, Very specific. I think my heart just stopped. (laughs) I'm sorry to give you that sort of a thrill. I apologize. Um, That's okay. Thank you. you. I appreciate it. Um, So, Jays fan, Toronto this year. How are you feeling about that team this season? Um, so yeah, no, it's, (laughs) (laughs) I, it's been a weird couple of years for the Toronto Blue Jays. Yes. You know, I, I, I don't expect everybody to be as obsessed with this team as I am, but the reality is that we had 2015 was just magic, right? It came out of nowhere. We weren't expecting it. It was perfect. Um, and we went all the way to October and, you know, it was very devastating when we did not go further. Um, you know, it was the bat flip year, right? Yes. So many, so many great things happened. And then the next year was almost as great, but not quite as great. And then the year after that was so bad. Right. Sure. <laughs> so, so this is, this is a year where, um, I personally have zero expectations. Mm -hmm. Like we're so far from that 2015 year where I just have zero expectations. And to be perfectly honest, I've been very distracted. Yeah, of course. (laughs) Because I was like, I was like very, very pregnant. Yeah. Had a baby baseball. You know, I had to like, you know, I had to put my passion for the game a little bit on hold. And so now I'm just kind of like, swimming in this lack of expectation. I didn't read any of the predictions. I didn't, you know, and which is so unlike me, but here we are. Sure. I didn't, I didn't like, I tuned into a baseball game and I didn't know who anybody was. <laughs> <laughs> and did that kind of feel good to have that experience? Yeah. Like maybe again, and, or you know, for a first time a little bit to like we, we, get a new distance. We, you know, we, we talked about this before we started recording this idea that, um, 
you know, I'm, I'm on leave this season. So, you know, I'm writing a little bit, but you know, I'm taking care of a tiny person. So it's, it's harder to be as invested, especially in the sort of the minutia of everything, like the, you know, the very fine details. Um, and it's changed my whole relationship. Like I'm just, I'm sort of just letting it flow over me. And, you know, as I said before, I'm, you know, I'm not writing a hot take. <laughs> right. Yes. Like, I'm not like running away and turning something into an editor in like 24 hours or five hours or, you know, there's been seasons where like something will happen and like three hours later I'll have to file something. So now I'm just kind of like, huh, that was a nice thing. <laughs> <laughs> That's kind of completely different yeah. um, dynamic. And it, it sort of taught me a lot about how this game can serve you in so many different ways. Like it doesn't always have to be this one thing and you have this one relationship with it every season the same way. Like it's, it's always shifting and evolving. Um, and, you know, I was concerned because it's such a huge part of my life that, you know, like I can't go to the ballpark right now because I can't be separated from her. Right. Right. So she's a bit too young for the ballpark. So I haven't been to the ballpark since last season and if you told me that like a year ago, I would have burst into tears. But now, I mean, I'm really that dramatic, but <laughs> sure. I'm, I'm just kind of like, well, you know, it'll happen in time. Like it's always going to be there for you. And, um, you know, I had, I had a morning sickness so bad that I couldn't actually be in the ballpark because it made me throw up. <laughs> oh man. <laughs> Was it was um, so it like I, the the size of the space made you throw up, or you just were throwing up regardless? It was beer and hot dogs. Beer and oh, beer and hot dogs. Stacy, my my just, my! <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness! <laughs> like I just couldn't, and I remember like being at the dome and trying to find a ginger ale. Impossible. And, and I and I was just yeah, I was just like <laughs> I cannot be here. Yeah. Like, I <laughs> Isn't it wild um, how like uh just bodies and our life can do that to us where they're like, Oh, you like this oh, thing? Yeah. Guess what? You're gonna hate it now. <laughs> yeah. And and I, you know, it's it should be, you know, I would have thought, especially if you've read the book, you know that like it's my favorite place in the world to be is the ballpark. Oh yes. Um, you know. And I have been shut out of it by my own body. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I'm just kind of like getting back into going and you know we have some dates on the calendar that maybe we're going to take her for the first time mm -hmm. so um you know not to turn this into a whole like the relationship between you know infants and baseball conversation but it, the larger point is that you know you can be at different points in your life and experience the game in different ways and it it you can always find something in it that is a salve and can help you through whatever you're going through, which is sort of the larger point of the book, I guess. Oh yeah. No, I mean, I, I love that about, I mean, that's all, that's all I'm trying to do is show that it's, it's a similar thing, which is that, you know, you can have different perspectives or entryways into a thing. There's not only one way to appreciate anything, but especially specifically baseball, there's not one route to fandom and, I myself have been experiencing this, uh, you know, I have this, the, the team that I grew up with that I have any amount of like sort of emotional or nostalgic connection to 
is a team that I don't really want to be a part of anymore <laughs> because of uh, what that entails. You know, um, they're the the name of them and the logo and the so- sort of mm-hmm. his- historical placement of all of that. And to be totally honest, some of the players, I don't really like what they're talking yeah. about a lot, you know? And so uh, it's just been an interesting sort of conversation in my own brain about going like, um, because you get so trained to be like if you if you're not there for your team then you're not a real fan but like i just don't buy into that anymore you know it's like can i just be somebody that likes a bunch of different teams can i just be somebody that likes baseball can i be somebody that wears different logos of different hats does any of this ultimately matter not really is it serving like me and and happiness and joy to participate in something that i like that's basically it you know, and you can come oh, to it for sure because there's so many people so, that they don't watch all those games and they just like the postseason and good for them. You know, they're missing out yeah, on a lot, sure. but good for them. <laughs> well, it's I mean, and it's crazy for me because it's it's been, um, you know, I have been a huge advocate of bandwagoners and I am I've long railed against this idea that you have to know every aspect of, you know, every play of, you know, every player and, you know, everything they've ever done. Like it, and baseball has this weird kind of demanding. It demands so much knowledge from its fans, right? Like it's you know for you to be a real fan. I'm using quotes, air quotes, right? Of course, you have to know so much, and you know. And I've always been a person who has railed against that, which was very convenient for me because the game was my whole life, and I did know so much about <laughs> sure. it. And I knew, you know what was happening, and now I know so little, right? <laughs> Um, because I'm otherwise occupied and it, and I'm, and it takes like a day for you to fall out of the loop of baseball. Oh yeah. It really does. Especially now. I mean, it, it it didn't used to be, I was just thinking the other day, like there must've just been like a hundred years ago. There must have just been a lot of six inning no hitters, but just nobody talks about it because we didn't have phones telling us no hit watch. There's a no no like everybody knows what's <laughs> happening in every game all the time, and you don't even have now to watch the game. You get an alert from like a team that you forget is a team. <laughs> yes, it's like this Sunday. I think I had six notifications. It was like no no watch. It's like no, the game is just still going. Like there's not. Please stop stressing me out. Sending me fire emojis you, or whatever. Do you have a team that you forget as a team? Like if you had to list all the teams, there's a couple of teams that you always forget. Um, I think so, and it's probably always the Tampa Bay Rays. Oh, that's funny. Because <laughs> mine's like mine's like the Marlins. I always yeah. forget the Marlins. Look, Stacy, here's the thing. Dash. My team is Cleveland. I will never forget that the Marlins exist. Oh, well, and because <laughs> I'm Jay's, I'll never forget the Rays, right? Yeah, but, right, there you go. Um, That's why. Because we, we can't do anything in that stupid park. Like, it's, um, but I feel like every fan has, like, one or two teams that they totally forget exist. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's my favorite thing. It, it is right. funny I to have that. that. No, 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 I love it. I love that, like, sort of blind spot of a division. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I wish I could... I wish I could forget that Cleveland exists every now and then. I wish that was mine, my team that I forgot existed. Um, no, I can't. I mean, because they have Edwin now, so I can't. Yeah. <laughs> you can't forget about that. Um, no. Let's see. What else did I want to talk Well, maybe we'll just talk about this now. Um, since Since you're a Toronto fan, there was some Toronto news today, which I saw, like, on my way out. And, again, just, like, a long the lines of what we were just talking about, which is like knowing every aspect of the game, there's 
just constant breaking news, not only in sports, but like in everything. And I don't necessarily know that that's a good thing because we know everything sometimes before we should maybe know about it. Um, But uh, an issue that's, I guess, uh, sort of pervasive in baseball, but in all of professional sports, um, a domestic violence allegation came out about or there was an arrest made. Um, with one of the Toronto Blue Jays players, the Robert, uh, Robert Osuna, the closer, um, and so I hesitated to bring it up because I don't. I feel like women or the people on that side of that equation tend to be the ones to always sort of talk about this stuff, and I feel like everybody else kind mm-hmm. of brushes it away and says like, "Well, we'll we'll talk about it when it's more this whatever." And uh, sometimes I think you know, especially in this case, like. We don't know everything. We just know that he was arrested because we're recording this on Tuesday. This is now Wednesday when you're listening to it. Um, but I, it, this is something that has, I mean, it's always bothered me as a human being, but it continues to bother me in baseball specifically because it's the sport that I watch the most and feel the most connected to. And getting back into baseball, it, it was like, I, I feel like it was almost consistently happening every season. And I feel like for me, the biggest issue with this is the fact that the league doesn't talk about it like they they will punish people and then it just goes away and I feel I wish that they would have more outreach I guess about the issue uh as opposed to it just being this like small punishment that then is like okay everyone's moving on from it um but I also yeah no you're Oh, go ahead Stacy no, you're absolutely right and and I think you know the league has actually made some quite large strides in the past few years in terms of how they deal with incidents. Um, but I mean, the thing I really noticed today is that, um, you know, I, I, I think that for a, a sector of sports fan, um, they have a very deep emotional connection with this game. Um, and, you know, I've written a, a great deal about how baseball has gotten me through, um, you know, some difficult moments in my past some mental health issues, um, definitely in terms of, um, you know, dealing with being a survivor and the idea that, um, we're very emotionally tied to this game and we're emotionally tied to our team and to find out something, um, like this about one of the players on our team, it's hard to be detached from that. Right. Totally. You know, we feel it, we feel it very personally. Um, and it's, you know, in the immediate aftermath of finding out news like this, it's, there's so many different things that you need to unpack as a fan, um, all under the umbrella that it's not about you. Right. So yes, there's, there's emotions that you need to process personally. And then there's, um, institutional things that we need to talk about. Um, and then there's, you know, the idea of privacy for the victim and, and, you know, the idea of restorative aspects to things and, and healing. And so there's so much there and we're having this conversation. Like I, you know, I found it this afternoon. So same, same. Absolutely. It's um, yeah. Um, So it's, but, you know, I think, you know, what is sort of a, a more appropriate thing for me to talk about is this idea of like the fans relationship to the game when something happens like this. And, you know, Asuna is, he's in almost every game, right? He's, right. 
he's our beloved closer. And, and now we're all sort of as a community collectively processing this news and what it could mean and what it does mean. Um, and I think it's going to take time, obviously. Mm -hmm. And you're absolutely right that there's sort of this, you know, we need to have this immediate response and we need to have this immediate take on it. Sure. Um, and I think that it's okay to sort of step away and process how you're feeling. Um, yeah. And to uh, acknowledge that. Yeah. Oh, sorry. I didn't mean, I wanted to hear your last thought. I apologize, Stacey. I didn't mean to interrupt no, you. No, to, to acknowledge that there's, there's different aspects to it, right? It's not just, um, you know, the, the, I mean, the worst reaction people can have is how it, it ruins their enjoyment of the game. Right. Right. That's, I mean, that's, yeah, right. that's not gross. That's, not that's super gross. Issue, right? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, but, but it does. I mean, you know, there, there are fans of other teams that, you know, that have real difficulty enjoying um, their own team because this has happened with them, you know? So it's, it, it there's so much to, obviously. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, and it's fresh. So yeah, this is this, and yeah. we don't have to get it. I think what you were saying ultimately, I think is, something that I'm trying to practice in my own life and everything, because we, like we were saying with the news cycle and just breaking news in baseball, but in everything is that you can't acknowledge that something happened without having a take on it and saying, Oh, this person is this, or this person do didn't do that. You can just say this happened. And, uh, you know, there will be more information I'm sure in the coming days and that's what will happen. <laughs> and well, and, and I know like some people, their first impulse is to say, um, get him out of baseball sure. and, and let's just use him as, mm -hmm. you know, not necessarily Suna, but you know, somebody who has been arrested and charged and, you know, suspended or get him out of baseball. Um, but you know, if you think about it, an institution like baseball has such an opportunity to provide so many resources um, to perpetrators and victims. So is getting the situation out of baseball actually the best thing for everybody involved? So, you know, exactly what, what you're saying about taking some time and having more thoughtful responses to things. Mm -hmm. um, it, it, is it is amazing how culturally we've become what is your, what is your immediate response? Like I was emailed within 15 minutes of this news, wow. um, asked and asked for an immediate response. <laughs> right. And I don't, I don't think that that's always the best way to, to, for us to culturally process these things. Right. We oh yeah. I agree. Be thoughtful about them. And, um, which is not to say we have to be immediately forgiving. No, right? we we just have to be, um, we have to be thoughtful about what the best way forward is. I, yes, and I'm I'm so glad that you said that that doesn't that's not inherently immediately forgiving. Not having a take that is drastically, you know, like polarizing one way doesn't mean that you're the other way, and it doesn't even mean that you're neutral. It just means that you're processing the information that you have. Because exactly. I don't think anyone needs to be commenting on something they just found out about 15 minutes ago, <laughs> other than was yeah, there and, was there just and, an earthquake? Like that's you you comment on things yeah. like an earthquake 15 minutes after they happen, but not something that someone was arrested for who you don't know personally. You know, it seems like not a great path to go down. Well, and it's and it's interesting too how like this this demand for immediate responses has actually fueled. Um, 
the viciousness of online communities, right? Oh, yes. Because, you know, to, to go to a lighter subject, you know, I, I, um, I wrote about the elimination of the four pitch intentional walk. Mm-hmm. Um, and I wrote it, I literally wrote it as a hot take, right? It was like, you know, an editor contacted me and was like, can you write this within a day? And, you know, what's my immediate reaction to eliminating the four pitch <laughs> yeah. And I got hate mail. Like I literally got people writing to me saying, you know, you don't deserve to write about baseball. Oh my God. Because you like the four pitch intentional walk. And I think that. So wait, you you know, can can I clarify this? You liked the actual thrown pitches or you like the new version? Yeah. Yeah. I really like it when they just throw the pitches. (laughs) And people were mad at you for that? Yeah, they were really mad at me. That and, I'm and, actually yeah. shocked. I, and I'm shocked not in disbelief, but I'm shocked simply because you were arguing for the old version of something. And people were oh, like, yeah. you don't understand baseball, which leads me to believe that had you written the other way, you would have still gotten the same amount of hate mail. Yeah, ex- exactly. Right. And I and it's not it's funny because I am I am so guilty of of doing the you know, quick turnaround baseball take because I have to, you know, pay my bills. Right. Right. You got to eat. Um, you got to eat. And, (laughs) you know, I've written things about Jose Batista and, and, you know, people have been like, he's a bum and whatever. He's, he's one of the greatest people who've ever lived. But anyway, (laughs) um, and I, and I, I think that like this new phase of my life where like, it's actually literally impossible for me to write that quickly now because there's a tiny person yeah. screaming at me for food or sleep or whatever she needs that I have to just sort of bow out of that, you know, that system that I actually have like, I, I just feel sort of freed up to think yeah. <laughs> instead of just kind of frantically put together something. Um, but, and you know, it is what it is, but I think that if we all kind of slowed down a little bit um, and didn't put out sort of our immediate baseball take, things might be a little less vicious out there. I may be optimistic. There, no, but- I totally agree with you. I mean, I definitely think it's optimistic, but there's nothing wrong with being optimistic. I don't think, um, especially when I, I, I definitely it, it, it has worked in my own life, you know, where I just realized like, oh, I don't have to comment on all of this stuff. And then I stopped doing it and I feel so much better about everything because I'm not churning and trying to get this weird Pavlovian response to like, ooh, I got, uh, you know, however many likes or whatever. And it's like the, none of this matters. You know, it. I mean, it, yeah. it, it matters, but it also does not matter at all. And like when something is both things so much, it's really kind of a net nothing. And you can sort of walk away and realize like, oh, it's, I don't have to be burning hot takes every single day i can go into the mm-hmm. outfield and take a couple fly balls every now and then i don't have to be you know pinch hitting my entire life yeah and and you know to loop it back to the asuna stuff like it's heartbreaking right and yes nobody should be somebody who is heartbroken about news should not be required to have to c- communicate a course of action immediately. Right. It's, and, and I I think I've seen a lot of people today um, sort of express this need to sit with what they're feeling because, you know, we, we don't know him. Like we don't, you know, he's not our friend, right. Like, but he plays a part in our sort of collective emotional climate. Right. And, you know, if you are a fan of this team, so it's okay to sit with your feelings and it's okay to be heartbroken. 
um, and take a little time to mm-hmm. think about what's important, you know? And Absolutely. I feel like as baseball fans, we should know how to sit with feeling being heartbroken more than yeah, anybody, right. <laughs> you know? Um, and it, I mean, it does sort of shatter the fantasy as well, right? That's, that's the other aspect is, you know, a lot of the healing aspect of this game is the fantasy aspect of it. This, you know, that we're all in it together and we're all sort of, you know, this communal shared experience and, and incidents like that do really shatter the fantasy of that sort of collective healing warmth. Right. So, Mm -hmm. um, I, I definitely, you know, I understand that this is really hard for fans and I also understand that it's not about us. So, um, sitting with those two feelings is really, it's very hard to process. Oh yeah. Both things are true. can be very difficult, but it's something Mm -hmm. I remind myself very, very often. Um, so let's see, we talked Blue Jays, we talked growing up baseball. So you, you didn't play baseball. This is a sport that you're purely drawn to from, from the experience, the experience of it, of watching it. Yes. Yeah. And I, I mean, initially it was sort of a, a, the stereotypical, like my dad took me to the ball (laughs) game when I was a kid type thing. Um, but I actually, I sort of, you know, in my twenties, I was, I didn't think sports were cool. Mm -hmm. Right. You know, like, like jocks like sports and, you know, I wasn't like that. I was into art and literature and I'm super cool. (laughs) And then I sort of came back to it in my thirties. And it, it was actually because I experienced depression Um, and I had like a magical moment with this game where I was watching Justin Verlander pitch Mm -hmm. and, uh, I thought I'd never seen anything so amazing in my life. It was 2011. It was his Cy Young year and he was just like unstoppable and it sort of, you know, and it sounds, it sounds almost silly, but it sort of gave me something to believe in at a time where I felt really unmoored. And after that, I just became obsessed (laughs) (laughs) to a degree that, you know, looking back on, I'm like, whoa, Sal's like, you need to, um, (laughs) and I, and it just consumed all of my days. Like it just, um, it's, and I just, it just gave me, I don't know. I'm, I'm sort of like gushing right now, but I'm sure you understand. No, I do. Like the the elation of feeling it gave me was like nothing I'd ever experienced. And, and it did kind of feel out of the blue. Like it was like a lightning bolt and, and, you know, my relationship with the game changed completely. And, um, you know, I had my favorite players and I wanted to see every ballpark and, you know, I built my vacations around going to, you know, I had this like amazing, you know, California ballpark trip and, you know, which when you live in Toronto, that's kind of a big deal <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> for you, not so much, but I hear you, but it, you know, it, and it, it gave me the scaffolding in my life that had been missing, right. The structure mm-hmm. that had been missing. And, and I just started to write about it. And, and then all of a sudden that became my career. <laughs> right. <laughs> like, I mean, before that point I was, you know, I had a, a different, career path and I was doing different things. And, and then all of a sudden I was a sports writer. And, um, so it's just sort of taken me down this road and it's just been amazing. And I think the most amazing thing about it is that when I started to write about how I found baseball really healing, 
um, other people reached out to me and they told me stories about, you know, that it had helped them through grief and divorce and, you know, all sorts of loss. And, um, you know, I wrote a piece about going to the ballpark alone. Um, and I got so much feedback from people about how they would just, you know, it was almost a meditative experience for them to go by themselves and in like, you know, a, an afternoon game by themselves. Um, and, and it just, helps them get through difficult times. And, you know, when you initially, when this game, you know, the subtitle of the book saved me, um, I just thought, you know, who, who gets saved by baseball. (laughs) And then after I wrote the book and started talking about it, um, apparently lots of people. So, um, that's sort of been the greatest experience about, um, part of the experience of writing about, um, that aspect of the game. That's awesome. I, I, I mean, I, started reading your book and then that happened to me last year because <laughs> it definitely happened to me early on when I came back to the game after some years um, because it was my grandmother was had passed away and like one of the last things we did was watch Cleveland baseball games in the hospice room that she was in so like having oh, that wow. yeah like having that reconnection of of the of just baseball and watching it with her which is how I started watching it to begin with um, really started that up again because then I felt like when I started watching games, I was watching it with her and I could hear what she, the things she would say. And I, oh. even to this day now, when I watch baseball, I think like, oh, she, there's no way that she would like this dude or like, oh yes, this is, who, <laughs> this is totally who she would like. She would, if I asked her right now, she'd be like, yeah, yeah, I like him. I like him. I like this guy. Um, so like that experience, but then also last year, uh, my wife and I have this television show called take my wife and we finished uh, shooting it. And actually our first season, I didn't even realize this when we were setting it up, but our very first day of production was on the same day. It was on opening day <laughs> of the first season of the show. And I was like, this has to be a great sign. So then we fast forward to the second season, we make the whole show and then the network goes away. And I just started going to Dodger games and they had like one of their best seasons in you know 20 30 years or something like that and i i really like actually going to those games was like some form of therapy because just getting lost in those games and like they were exciting in a way that they hadn't been for a while and so now this sort of steep drop off into this new season has just been like oh it's like a whole you know emotional ride but i really did like dodger my pain last year (laughs) like a lot yeah no and it would have been exhilarating, right? It's just, and mm-hmm. I, you know, I think about like, I don't know if you're at this part of the book yet, but in 2015, that incredible J season was um, the year I got diagnosed with infertility. Yes, um, I did get to I that part. that year. Yes. And, and it was like the Jays just, it, it t- the Jays just took me out of that aspect of my life even though I was dealing with it, like all through that year, like, you know, going to the infertility clinic and mm-hmm. having these like, invasive tests done, the Jays were just like, Hey, we're going to be over here. Um, <laughs> doing having the best season we've had in over 20 years. <laughs> so yeah. We're going to help you. We're going to, you know, you know what we're going to do, Stacey, we're going to acquire David Price. That's what we're going to do for you, and Stacey. We, yeah. We're just, we're just going to do it. We're just, we're just going to get him, you know, and we're going to have these, beautiful anecdotes about how he's going to buy everybody bathrobes and <laughs> they're going to fill his locker with popcorn. And we're just going to give you that while you deal with one of the harder experiences of your life. And it's amazing how you can just like sort of fall into a season and the narrative of a season. And when something is sort of in your life that is 
so difficult, it can just pull you out, you know, at the same time every day. It's, it's a miracle, right? Yeah, it really is. You're talking, I keep thinking about um, that quote from last season with Kershaw Mm -hmm. and where he said after, after they lost and he said, maybe, um, maybe at some point I won't fail. Yeah. And I can't, and I have like, I can't stop thinking about that quote. Me neither. And this idea that this, like these men do these miraculous physical things, physical feats, and then walk away and go, oh, I'm a failure. Yeah. <laughs> and, I'm like, and I'm like, Hey, maybe I'll walk 2k today. You know? You're right. <laughs> uh, but well, to, can I, can I sort of buoy the the failure thought with finding out recently from someone now it's it's totally escaping me who told me this but um that rajai davis will still watch his two run home run in the seventh game of the world series like he just still watches it to make himself happy so like there's also that (laughs) there's also the guy that goes yeah we didn't win but do you remember what i did though (laughs) because that was crazy (laughs) so there's like and that it's it's funny too because like i was thinking about rajai davis the other day because I remember there was this point where like, you know, you, you develop these relationships with these players and there's like something about them that you remember. And and you're like, it's sort of like constellations in the sky. Like you, you know, you remember all these things about there's so many of them. And I I don't know why I just said constellations. No, I love it. I'm I'm thinking quite, I'm, I haven't had many adult conversations. Sure, no, but I thought it was beautiful. (laughs) Quite frankly, I almost passed out in my chair. I was watching him play the other day and I remember it's so beautiful watching him steal a base. Oh yeah. Like that's the thing I remember about him. Right. Cause yes. he's since drifted away from my orbit. And then in that moment, he like stole a base <laughs> and got caught. Yeah. <laughs> right. Um, and it's just like, he used to do, he, he has this amazing launch point, like where he just sort of, you know, a split second before he does it, that he's going to go. And it's such a thing of beauty to watch. And then like, it, you know, and, and then I'll forget about him for like a right. few months. Yeah. Right. It's, it, the, it just never, the game never stops giving you things to care about. I right. Know. There's like just so the, many things. The, it's yeah. The beauty in the tiny moment of his, his particular style of stealing a base, you know, and mm-hmm. then you'll forget about that for a while. And then you'll, you know, like I used to be obsessed with like Verlander used to do this left turn after a pitch. Mm hmm like turn left and it just was this like quirky hat where he just turned left and I just loved it. Like <laughs> it's it, yeah, it's it's so giving. Yeah. Awesome. And then it kind of feels like you're th- you like you have this insider thing with this person that you've never met and you don't know, but you totally know them and you see them on TV and you're like, "Oh, I I know what what that guy's going to do now." Or like they have a tell or something that only you are privy to and like I don't, you just don't have that in other sports. You know, that's not to say the other sports aren't good. It's just that it's so unique. I feel like to baseball that that's what's so, I don't know, just all encompassing of the game. Like if you're, you can focus on so many different things. There's something for everybody in the game, you know? Do you, do you try to get into other sports in the off season? Are you, are you like one of those people who's like, Oh, I, I gotta follow some hockey or. Yeah. I mean, I do. I try to, um, I, I'm I'm definitely looking forward to this season of uh, d- the WNBA, which is difficult because it coincides with baseball. That's what's difficult for me yeah, about yeah. the WNBA. But I'm trying to, because uh, I, I think it's going to be really exciting this year, and not to say that I didn't care about it before, but I just think I really want to be there for all of it because I think it's going to be a whole new sort of feeling and season 
for the WNBA. So I'm really excited about that. And then I've just been slowly but surely getting into women's hockey because um, I find it mm-hmm. very intriguing and super interesting. And I feel like it has those quirks and little things that you can get into that maybe, you know, like men's hockey. I'm just like, I don't know if this is a world that I want to enter into necessarily. But the women's hockey feels like they're just they have wide open arms just waiting for me to <laughs> get into it. So I just find like the pacing of hockey and basketball Re, like it's just so hard on my anxious little brain. Like, oh, I agree. <laughs> I fully agree. I mean, I grew up playing basketball, so I have like that attention to it, but I, I, I definitely, I agree with you. There's just something I, I do. I like the sort of the, the slow nature of baseball that it I can, I can either spend three hours watching it or 30 minutes. I can do either one, yep. but you can't really do that with a basketball game. And it's also just I've, constantly I happening. <laughs> Every time I've ever been to a Raptors game in person, um, the score is like within two points in the last like minute of the game. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like it's inevitable that the, it, because I went, it's going to be a sure. super close game. Right. And I, I can't handle it. Like, yeah. I can't. <laughs> it's very difficult. Yeah. I don't like the last um, few seconds of a game myself either. It's I very... feel like baseball is just built for anxious people. Like, it's just, it's, you know, let's give you three hours and like we're going to give you lots of room so if it's like nine four in the eighth mm-hmm. there's hope definitely it's it, doable it's not gonna, but it might yeah, not happen it's doable, but, mm, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> i mean it's funny that you say that because i played this sunday in my league and we were up i think in the seventh we were up like nine to two and i was like let's get some insurance runs <laughs> <laughs> Let's can we pad this just a little bit because I'm a little wor- worried about it. <laughs> so yes, I agree with you. It's definitely a game for anxious people, and sometimes it still doesn't matter. <laughs> I'll still be like, yeah. I don't know about the seven run lead, you guys. That's just too. All we got to do is get them full twice, and we'll be out of this. <laughs> well, and I mean that was my thing with the 2015 Jays was that they could be down like in the ninth, and you would be like, yeah, there's a chance. Oh yeah. Like, if they were just they were just so mad like they were home run after home run yeah. magic that it, you know it games weren't always disappointing because sure. you had hope till the the bitter end right, right. it was yeah. it was great and there was you know for a lot of april there was that feeling with with this current team things have since been like yeah but sure <laughs> um so i mean i yeah, I, I'm I am optimistic about the current incarnation of the Jays, but um, I I am happily I'm happily distracted as not to be consumed by anxiety. Right? I love so that. You should I'm, put that I'm on a T-shirt. <laughs> ha- happily distracted as not to be consumed by anxiety. That's kind of where I'm at right <laughs> yeah, now. Yeah, I love that. And I'm not going to have a hot take about anything. That's <laughs> great. I feel like that's a perfect place to be in life, and just a perfect place to be as a baseball fan. Let some other people have well, it for a while. That's kind of how I also feel also, this season. Like, just amazing. Let, I'm going to let Boston be stressed. <laughs> yeah. And it's, I mean, it's amazing to me in this, like, the, this current culture of sports that we're talking about, how, like, a player can have two bad games and I've, like, trade him. Oh, yeah. Right? Right. Like, so, it, you know, if you're in my current situation where you have to have a little more casual relationship with the game, you're missing that, those, like, waves. Oh, yeah. So, you know, somebody can just be like 
like good like they can just be good or yeah. like having a bad day they you're, just had a bad game honest, like, which is totally something that happens yeah. <laughs> they play 162 of them there's going to be a few in there that are duds <laughs> for sure yeah yeah, yeah. Well, Stacey, sometimes this, yeah, sometimes it's just not in the cards. Sometimes that constellation yep. is a little too spread out. <laughs> yep. <laughs> <laughs> well, Stacey, this was such a wonderful conversation. Thanks so much for taking time out to come on the podcast. I'm. This was so wonderful. Uh, I was so excited that you were into it. And uh, I am just, yeah, I'm just a huge fan of your work. Thank you for allowing me to have a conversation with an adult person. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Happy to be that adult for you. And I, I sort of love that you like invited me on to be the person who's not an expert. <laughs> Is not watching as many games no, right now. <laughs> I, that's the whole thing. An expert in being an expert who is not watching a lot of games right now. <laughs> I think it's, is honestly, I really recommend it to everyone to like, you know, if you're really, really, really invested in baseball, just like not be as invested nah. for a little while. I love it. <laughs> it's almost like Twitter. I get it. I hear you. I agree with you so yeah. much. So hard. Well, Stacey Mayfels is. No, go ahead. No, just you have to take a step back. Yeah. To realize how much you love a thing. You know, oh. you have to just kind of. Yeah. The truer words, my friend. All right. <laughs> Thank you so much, Stacey. And everybody, you have Thank to read you. her book right now if you haven't already, but you probably have because you listen to my podcast and I talk about it every episode. So, <laughs> Oh, I love that about you. <laughs> I, it's one of my best qualities, I have to say, how often I recommend your book. <laughs> yeah. No, just your book specifically. It's one of my best redeeming qualities. Absolutely, for sure. <laughs> Wonderful. Awesome. Thank you so much. Okay. Thank you. What an amazing interview that was with one Stacey Mae Fowles. You might have noticed that I do sound slightly different. That is because I am at my house recording on a different recorder because I forgot to record an outro. But thank you for listening to this episode. It was my pleasure and honor to get to talk to Stacey Mae Fowles. Her book is wonderful. It is Baseball Life Advice, Loving the Game That Saved Me. Please check that out. I am loving it a lot. And she is wonderful. So thank you, Stacey, for being on the show. And thank you for listening. I also wanted to let you all know, if you didn't know, that Take My Wife Seasons 1 and 2 are now available on iTunes and on Amazon. They're also available in the UK, Australia, and Canada. So please, uh, buy those now, because if we buy them in those markets, then we can get them to other markets in other global areas. And I would love for that to happen. I won't see any more money, so it's really more just about getting the show out there and getting queer perspectives and stories to more people, which is a positive thing. Uh, Take My Wife is also now available. Both seasons are streaming on Stars Video On Demand app. So if you have Stars, get the app. You can watch it on there. Um, so thank you so much for doing that. And if you love Three Swings, the podcast you're currently listening to, Please rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, or Spotify, or wherever you listen to this podcast. It will help us out and uh, help bringing help to keep you getting awesome content. Does that make sense? I don't think so. You understand. And as always, if you liked it, you liked it. Forever Dog. This has been a Forever Dog production. Executive produced by Brett Boehm, Joe Cilio, and Alex Ramsey. For more original podcasts, please visit foreverdogpodcasts.com and subscribe to our shows on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.
Keep up with the latest Forever Dog news by following us on Twitter and Instagram at Forever Dog Team and liking our page on Facebook.